This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. and he'll get it done. The checkered flag is in the air, and it's a milestone win for Kyle Busch. Woo-hoo, look at that last lap. <laughs> I passed one guy on the outside of turn three, and that was the only guy I needed to pass, I guess. Hey, welcome to NASCAR America, the Monday edition. You got the normal crowd back together. Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, Steve Latart. Interesting day at Pocono. What you think, DJ? Well, you know, it, it, it certainly wasn't the type of racing that a lot of people would like to see every Sunday where it's, uh, everybody's bunched up and everything, but there were entertaining parts about it, and the strategy probably was the most entertaining, but aside from Kyle Busch, who is entertaining. He makes things happen that nobody else can, and, and I think that's what you have to watch and appreciate uh, when he continues to do these things on a regular basis. Yeah, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but I was completely fascinated with the strategy and, and the lack of strategy by some race teams. I, I was a little <laughs> shocked they weren't more aggressive. But I wonder, what do you think Clint Boyer was thinking when they said outside in the middle of turn three, <laughs> did he? Because he did a great job of slowing the car down to get to the bottom. Kyle Busch said, fine, I'm going to go to the outside. I'd love to, rarely do I want to know what Clint Boyer was thinking, but at that moment, I would love to be in Clint Boyer's head. Well, he and his father, Brett Griffith, spent the week in the Bahamas. He probably thought he might still be on vacation right here. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way somebody's on the outside of me. Yeah. I mean, that was, you know, we, we can talk about the race, and it wasn't a this compelling race, in my opinion, but, and, and Kyle said he only passed one guy. Well, the one pass he made was spectacular. Yeah. That's just you know, you and I have been in that situation. You have no expectation whatsoever, if you're Clint Boyer, that somebody's going to jump on the outside. You don't run the second groove at, at Pocono. Like, yeah. that's just somewhere you do not go unless you miss the corner. Yeah, yeah. and th- nobody else was even willing to give that a try and see what they might do and pull a surprise like that. And I think that Kyle waited to the perfect moment to know exactly what he needed to do, not show anybody this was a possibility, uh, not that anybody else may be as talented as as he is to make that all happen. I mean, overall, though, is anyone really shocked at the race we saw? I mean, anybody that left there Sunday from a competitor standpoint and was surprised. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure what they've been paying attention to. I mean, it was Pocono. We can talk about the rules all we want, but it looked like the same Pocono race I've seen since, yeah. I don't know, 2000, 2005. I was fortunate enough to win there a couple times in 2014. It was the same race then. You get out front and don't make a mistake. If you don't make a mistake, they don't go by you. I don't know how anybody could be surprised by that. Well, the, f- the thing that we all talk about every single time, and when we were drivers, when you were a crew chief, we did. Uh, Jeff... Uh, 
Gordon and, and Daryl Waltrip talked about, you talk about how difficult a racetrack it is. It's two and a half miles with three corners that are completely yeah. different. I don't care what rules package you put together, you're not going to make all the cars uh, as equal as you would like for them to be. And then you throw in driver talent uh, on top of that. It, it's just difficult to, to have that. And when somebody hits on it, you usually see that happened, what happened yesterday, and Kyle Busch was the best. I think after the race the racing that we saw at Charlotte, then the racing we saw at yeah. Kansas, the races we've seen, we saw this uptick in, in side-by-side passing. Yeah. We saw this uptick in, in fun racing to watch. And then we had a race that, I agree, was kind of like an average Pocono, but it felt like a worse race after the qual- after the good racing we've been sure. watching. And I think, and also the expectation. Yeah. Like, I still think that the expectation level for this package is is not correct. People mm-hmm. think there's going to be drafting all the time. There wasn't drafting down the back straightaway at Vegas. Why is there going to be drafting, you know, at Pocono? It's just we're just not going to see that major drafting that people hope for. And it's just taken a little while for everybody to understand, and even the teams. I like, yeah, yeah. Like, and I just don't think people know what to expect. But after the race, a lot of drivers talked about the race and, and what they saw. Let's listen to what they had to say. Seems like this track is really, really, really a challenge. Uh, no matter what package we've come here with, it's always kind of been uh, a little bit of spread out, a little bit of single file. Yeah, you know, you, you had to be about three quarters of a second faster than someone. And, you know, with the parity the cars have, with the rules and all that, you're not going to see that in the top 20. It felt like any time I got within a striking distance of somebody, I just couldn't quite get there and I'd lose as much as I gained. And then I'd have to work that all back for 10 laps and then lose it again. So it was brutal to pass, really hard. Uh, and dirty air. Um, yeah, tough, tough racing here. You know, being tough to pass, it was, it was really impossible. Uh, the only way you could really do it is if somebody really bobbled or made a mistake or underdrove a corner. Really, the only times I could really make a move was when I just went in there and almost crashed the guy trying to do it and just got so close that he got loose. So uh, there are very few times I could get that close, but um, if, if I could, that was how I passed guys. We got to try something different than that. Maybe put some uh, track bite down or something. Try, try anything. Nothing to lose. At this particular racetrack, you either need more downforce uh, to slow the cars down even more uh, to make us not grip limited. That's the only way that we're going to be able to run closer than what we are right now. Because right now, you get to the corner and you lose so much time. And you don't have enough straightaway, even though you got a mile of it, to, to recover what you've lost in the corners. If you were a 20th place car and you got in the lead today, you were going to drive away. It's just the, the way the rules work. Well, I think what I found interesting about that, you had some drivers saying, hey, this is a problem, but some gave some answers. Like some gave mm-hmm. some ideas on how to fix it. Like Denny Hamlin had an interesting idea to actually double down, right, and go to more drag, more downforce. I love the idea that, that uh, Joey had there. Can you get the outside? Can you put yeah. some, some, uh, some of the sticky stuff on the racetrack to try to make an outside groove? I like the fact that they're saying, hey, like this is what we have, but how do we make it better? Yeah, I, you know, I like the what we have. Uh, I think that you can, if you went less downforce, then you're going to create a situation that's going to be probably worse racing than what this is. There might be some more passing along the way, but the gaps are going to be bigger uh, with all of that. I think the biggest gains, in my opinion, in watching this and and what we've seen over the years, uh, the biggest gains are what has been done at some racetracks uh, of making some grip in another area of the racetrack that everybody's not running. And then the other thing would be for Goodyear to continue to work. And I know they work extremely hard, but to make tires that, that – 
give these drivers some some more options uh, with uh, uh, running at different parts of the track and, and making things happen there. But, you know, uh, William Byron, if, if he would have watched Dale Earnhardt, he made a living of getting close to somebody's bumper, almost <laughs> crashed them, and sometimes crashing. So there's not a problem. That's what the sport was kind of built on. You just got to be willing to give the old, hey, sorry about that. That's uh, right. Hit yeah. you that time. But you mentioned the tire. You shouldn't have slowed down. <laughs> That's how it is. You, you know, you mentioned the tire, and like you said, I mean, Goodyear has to bring a tire. It's very difficult to flat tracks, low air. But, um, you know, tires didn't seem to have the value that you would perhaps want in a place like Pocono. That's why track position was so important. But the other thing is, and it's already been mentioned, I heard NASCAR talk about it, the idea of bringing shifting back. Well, I don't think that's going to change the performance of the race cars. And I know they did it for engine and all these rules that don't really matter. The one thing I think it will do is make it tougher to drive. I think it's tougher for a driver. You take a track that was already difficult and say, hey, in two, probably two, because I think they're going so fast through the tunnel, I doubt they're downshift. So in two corners... You're going to have to go down a gear, and that means on two straightaways you have to go up a gear. Do I think that changes anything dramatically? No, but you just heard Denny and some other drivers say the only way I could pass was a mistake. Well, that tells me there are more chances for a mistake, and that's really what I'm looking for. Yeah, and it seemed like, you know, even William Byron talking about being able to drive behind a car and get him loose, I didn't see many examples where that could happen. The cars made so much grip uh, that it was hard to even use that maneuver. But, you know, it... This is this this conversation is nothing new, no. right? I mean, I remember what, what year was it that you destroyed the field at Michigan? I mean, it wasn't even close, and the conversation was, I don't know, what's wrong with Michigan? You know, like, yeah. and I think that when we go to Michigan this weekend, I think everybody's gonna say, "Wow, that was yeah. awesome!" Right? right. So right. we're always gonna have this this pull and push about what's good racing, how do you make yeah. good racing, and we run on so many different kind of racetracks. It's really key. hard. You you just said it right there. So many we can't have a race car made. For every single track that you go to, you just can't do it. And and coming up with a, a common package that you have is going to give you a better chance to have better racing at more racetracks, I believe. But here's the, the the real problem that I see is everybody wants that ninth inning walk off home run grand slam whatever it is. Okay, so that might have been one game in 15 games on Sunday uh, that you might watch Major League Baseball. The other 13 or 13 of them might not have been so right. good, but you're going to see the highlights of the two that were good. Same with the NFL on Sundays. We only get one shot at this with a, a cup race on the weekend, and it's just, just not going to be that every single time. There were enough entertaining things about this, and I think yesterday was more about, as I said, Kyle Busch and the talent that, that he has, and the other was the amazing strategies that, as you said, some were a little bit more ready than others with that. Yeah, I had my head scratching at the lack <laughs> of pit calls from Pit Road. I, I was impressed. Um, Rodney Childers, he probably gets the vote as, as the most creative yeah. and gave himself a chance to win the race. And I, and I think, you know, every week we try to break down a turning point. Like, what was the turning point of this race? I think that was it. I think Rodney Without Childers, yeah. you know, when he made that call to put two on and Kyle Busch and his team did four, like, this call put the four car in front of Kyle Busch. Yes. Yeah, this should be the last pit stop of the race. And unfortunately, there's going to be a penalty on this pit stop. You see Kyle Busch sitting in his pit stall. Kevin Harvick comes around and he comes in. And Ronnie Childress says, you know what? I like Kevin Harvick in clean hair. I'm going to give my guy two less tires, but we're going to get track position, uncontrolled tires, what killed them. Because up until this point, I really thought, DJ, that this was going to be the call that won the race. You see the disappointment from the crew chief. Yeah, and I'd seen enough with uh, 
cars on two tires and Kevin Harvick having a good car and being Kevin Harvick, everything was fine. But this right here, once he had to come back down pit road, and then, of course, they got into other problems with the steering box and things uh, to where he was really slow after that. But, you know, it was the right call, uh, the right strategy, and, and I think that's a part of the race in this day and time. Who's willing to take that gamble? It was two turning points. The two tires was the turning point to win, and then the penalty was the turning point to take themselves yeah. completely out. But, but if we go back to Rodney Childress, he started this early in the race. Yes. Right? He was the first guy yes. at pit road trying to mm -hmm. do something different. He understood track position. He knew what it was going to take. He it didn't all get put together, and I think that's the story of, of the four cars year, right? They yeah. put themselves in position and can't execute. But right off the start of the race, he had an idea what he was going to have to do to win this I race. I was so frustrated. So bravo to Jeff Gordon and everyone on Fox who set up Guys, pay attention here. Around lap 20, we're going to see a wave of cars come to pit road for tires and then come get fuel only on the caution. And who comes? Only the four of Kevin Harvick. It's beyond me what these other teams were doing. Anyone who took two tires might have thought that was a better option. But there were other cars, DJ, that that was a completely missed opportunity. I know you're only 20 laps into the race, but it set the tone right away that Rodney Childers was there to win that was his goal to guarantee a spot in the playoffs. Yeah, I think he showed everybody that he had thought this out a little bit more and kind of knew what to expect with the racing and the things that they may have to do to give Kevin Harvick uh, that opportunity to try to win that first race this year. My question is, as they do these things, which are brilliant and continue with that, uh, we see them continuously put themselves in a bad position with things happening with pit stops. And how much more can this team take uh, uh, with not – being able to close the deal uh, because they've always been able to do that. But can they keep things headed in a good direction? It reminds me of a team that's lost their star player and they keep trying to run, whether it's, say it's a football team, and they keep trying to run the same offense without their quarterback, without yeah. the best arm, and they're losing and they're losing and they're losing. At what point do you change the offense, right? And that's really what you're saying. At what point does Rodney Childers say, look, I can't do this because we can't execute, so I'm going to have to change. And I, my opinion is as soon as they do that, they're, they're dead in the water because – They'll never win a championship that way. Right. They'll win a championship on the route they're going. And if the weak point continues to be the pit crew, I expect changes of some sort to be made, either in personnel. I'm not just saying personnel, but maybe it's how they're doing the pit stops. Maybe it's the right. execution. I don't know. But you have to still call the right races. The one thing that cures all is speed, right? And if you go back and you think about the four car, they, they have a history of making mistakes but having enough speed to overcome it. Yes. This year, although – they are getting better. They still don't have that. We're gonna. We're two tenths a lap quicker than you, yeah, right? Right. That they don't have that this year. So mm -hmm. the faster you go, the more time, the more opportunities you have to recover from mistakes. When when you don't have, when you can only run as fast as someone, even if you're the second best car and you're making mistakes, you're not gonna win races. Yeah. And and they've got to clean. They've got to clean it up. The, the, the Penske and Gibbs have stepped their programs up. Yeah. Period. Oh, yeah. End of story. And, and and there's a long way to go in this year. But if Stuart Haas Racing and, and that four car is going to win the championship, the first thing they got to do is they still have some speed they got to go find. They have to, do, they have to have the speed for sure. But I think you have to hand it to those other organizations because Kyle Busch has a good race car and he's a good race car driver. There's a lot of ways to lose a race that they're avoiding. Yeah. Right? They're closing the door on a lot of these races. I know they've had a few hiccups here or there, but they're closing the door more than they're not. Well, and we, we talked about this race not being a very exciting race. 
Well, Kyle Busch made it that way. You know, there's yes. a late race restart with an opportunity for people to make moves and be able to do stuff. Kyle mm-hmm. Busch didn't let him. No, yeah, he got right. a great didn't restart. A he drove into turn one in the lead. Like game over, right? Yeah, right. Like we were, we were watching the replays a little while ago. Before he got to turn one, you're like, game over. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah basically, you know, right here, this is the, with nine laps to go. And I said, when's the race over? I said, looks like about third gear. Because once he clears that twenty of Eric Jones, he has done his job. Yes, he does a great turn one. He executes, and then. I mean, he's the best at closing these out, and he shows why. Well, he is great at that, but to me what's so impressive is this is one of the tracks that is so difficult. Now, obviously, again, they weren't shifting as we Mm -hmm, talked about, mm -hmm. so there's not as many chances to maybe make that mistake and and do something a little bit different. But he still had to hit his marks and make sure that there was nothing that he did wrong because the two-car was right there and, and ready for any of that to happen in the first couple of laps. Once he strung out there and got a second lead, then, you know, things were pretty much over. Kyle Busch is not going to make a mistake at that point. But up to that point, he had to do everything right, and he did. And and when you're fast and you don't make mistakes? Yeah. Hard <laughs> to be. <laughs> you would think That's how you win four races yeah, yeah, at this yeah. point. <laughs> so before all that started, William Byron for the second straight week won the pole and finished in the top ten. Are we guys buying him as a championship contender? Huh. Kyle Larson finished a lap down in 26. But I don't think his day was as bad as 26 shows. And did a new Kyle Busch emerge at Pocono? We'll explain when we come back. I know we uh, we want to win, but we needed a good day. So get us back on track, keep it rolling. As far as the racing goes, I mean, the adversity we've had to face this year has been pretty high. And um, to see us keep fighting through it, I think, is, is showing a lot. And I'm hoping we're going to hit our stride here soon. We're going to throw together a lot of good weeks in a row like we did last year. Awesome job qualifying once again. William and team are very proud of you all. We got a lot of points today, which is great. I know it doesn't sound super good, but we, we had really good stages and, and really good uh, runs there. And now we see the opportunity with just two laps to go in stage number one, that opportunity to come to pit road. All right, but this will get us here track position back at least. I didn't think it was worth it for a point. We had a third to fifth place car. It's about, about what we had. We did a good job finishing what we had. We just, we're giving up way too many stage points. We got to figure out how to how to get some stage points. It was a good all-around effort, just uh, not the playoff bonus points and the wins and all that we were looking for, but uh, still a, a lot to be thankful for. Oh uh, yeah, top five, you know, didn't get a lot of points. We was playing the strategy game there on the stage uh, deal, but Take a top five anytime, you know, would like to be uh, just a little better. Nice to be disappointed with, with running in the top five these past few weeks. It's all about strategy and, and restarts, and uh, you saw some chaotic restarts. Especially the last restart was insane. Looking to see the green flag. It's in the air. We're back underway. Oh, my goodness. Look behind him, Mike. I was in the middle of it, and that's four, maybe five wide down in the one. as well. Not sure where I'm supposed to be here. <laughs> well, I don't know that <clears throat> we really had anything for Kyle at the end, but uh, we were on two tires and he was on four. I mean, you put us both on four, you put me out front, we probably hold him off. You put him out front, he probably holds us off again. Um, just finished with a top 10, so hopefully go to Michigan and, and be able to improve that even more. This was a solid day. We've had two in a row now, that's great for us. A lot of drivers talking about points after that race. And you can see right here the most points gained. Kozlowski finished second. We got 50 points. And that's what you have to look at. And you heard Clint Boyer talking about we need to get stage points. He finished fifth. 
but he only got 32 points. And it's the it's the body of work you do the entire race that they're looking at. It's not just where you finish. Yeah, and I guess Kyle Busch can give up some of those because he's got <laughs> wins and he's getting more points with all the, the bonus stuff right. that he's getting from that standpoint. So, yeah, you're right. It's kind of the individual teams and drivers that have to decide those things. Uh, so until you get to the point that you can go win races and get yourself locked in that way, then you you do need to be looking at as many points. But I think yesterday was a real challenge. Uh, it'd be interesting to see when you go back there what kind of strategies are played out and who might get points then. Well, because you're that much closer to the playoffs. And the playoff picture, while it's relatively clear in the front six guys that have all won a race, I'm going to tell you it's anything but clear (laughs) from 13th. Look at Daniel Suarez in 13th back to Ryan Newman in 18th. That's 36 points. And quick reminder, 17th and 18th, they're out. They're not going to make it into the playoffs in the current situation. And I know people can win, and this will completely change. But when I look at Byron... Uh, maybe Jones, I think, could win. Larson, Johnson, Newman. I don't see guys that we expect to go out, or at least I, I don't speak for you two, expect to go out and win races. So it's all about gobbling up those points. That's why you mentioned William Byron having a good day. That was a great day yeah. because Chad Knauss found a way to score points. I think that we have this conversation. Chad is giving William great race cars. I think William's doing a great job with it. The next job they have to figure out is how they want to call the races. Is William ready for Chad to be more aggressive on the pit box? Is Chad ready to be more aggressive on the pit box? He had Jimmy Johnson for so many years. It was four tires and we're going to just pass you on the racetrack. Can he kind of adapt to the new style of racing? Kyle Larson, we saw him wreck, but he won both stages. Those 20 points were already in his back pocket. He may really appreciate those come September. And they could have pitted. They could have pitted and given up those those stage wins yeah. to put themselves in a better position starting the last stage. But they just, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to give up these 10 points that are sitting right in front of us. And you can't blame them. Where they are in points, they need to gobble up sure. everything they can. Now, he got himself in trouble, right? And he gave up a lot of points. But without you know, without winning those two stages and right. gaining those yeah. 20 points that they gain, their day is way worse. Yeah, and, and it's really impressive to me what William Byron is doing uh, as a driver. Second year here, uh, I think this is a great pairing. He's learning a lot about how to go fast, and, and you have to do that. I mean, this young man doesn't have a ton of experience in these cars, and so he's really doing that. And when we talk about these points, I look at Daniel Suarez as the perfect example of what you can do. He was outside of that top 16, 18th or 19th there, and now he's, what's 20, I think, plus 26 on that. So just being more consistent, getting some um, some stage points, and, and finishing it off. Doesn't have to be a top five every time, but you can work your way back up through there. So that's the stat. Listen, we keep chalking top fives and top tens. and in my That's archaic. You can throw those out. And here's why. There's wins, yeah. and then there's points gained. That's it. I don't care about second because if you miss both stages, if you finish 11th of both stages and run second and the guy behind you wins both stages, he has killed you in points. So it's time for the whole sport, and and I think the crew chiefs are starting to look at it this way. It's not top fives or top tens. It's how many points did we gain if we didn't win? Because to your point, Kyle Busch, he's watching this show turning up points. (laughs) Points don't matter to me. I only care about playoff points. He's working on a whole nother call. But that makes yesterday that much harder, which is what you were talking about earlier. If you're, if you're at home watching the race and you're saying, well, this is an exciting race, put yourself in the crew chief's shoes. All right. Yes, if we pit with two to go, come on pit road, we're going to position ourselves better for the next stage. But you just gave up all those playoff points doing it. Yep. So it's not an easy decision for these crew chiefs and the drivers. Like you, and rest- you can't give up anything on restarts. You can't give up anything on pit road. 
especially on a day where it's so hard to pass. And that's, you know, being in the sport, you know, we don't watch a race and say, well, that was a boring race because you understand right. the intensity yeah, that, that everybody has on them. And, and these points, we have seen one point oh, make, a yeah, make a difference. Yeah. One point yeah. make a difference. And it's it, why is this year going to be any different than the other year? I, I wrote down the word priority. If you're a crew chief, you better be having that discussion with your driver. Because what I heard was Mike Bugaravich say, hey, we're going to get our track position back here. We're going to give up those points. And mm-hmm. then I heard Clint Boyer get out of the car and say, we've got to find a way to score stage points. I'm not saying either are wrong. I'm just saying they need to get on the same page. Come this, come this summer, yeah. you better figure out when you go to Watkins Glen, if you're going to pit before the stages or not. When you yeah. go back to Pocono, when you head to Indy, this is not a new story. Yeah. And this isn't the last time we've opened this book. So we're going to have to figure it out. And all I'm saying is, it's like a marriage, right? Your wife and you had better have a plan on what's most important in your lives. Well, if you're driving a crew chief, you better have that plan. Because if you think it's one thing and I think it's another, we can have a good day and still hate leave there frustrated with one another. And that makes for a long summer. Yeah, and I've got Eric Jones' recipe for success is for me not to have him on my fantasy list. Oh, because is that the ticket? That's the only, that's when he has his best runs is whenever I'm not taking him. So. Well, maybe what I should do is... That's a simple fix. And maybe I should stop taking Kyle Larson because I was already cheering a good day and wham. Well, you confused me when you said that you know, you drive, they have to be on the same page like being married. In my house, it's just you do whatever your wife says to well, do. Yeah. That's, what, that's how I stay on the same page. It's, it's, okay. So, well, the guy that started this whole conversation is Kyle Larson because he, he, he had those two stage wins, but he didn't get the finish that he could have gotten uh, because of that wreck with Clint Boyer. Let's hear what he had to say after that. You, the 9, the 11, and the 18 are best case scenario for tires. With exception of those guys who just pitted. Just 14 outside door, quarter, bumper, bumper, bar clear. Larson's into the wall! Be ready, guys. 14 hooked us. I come to us. For the record, I was still saying outside. Still, um, like we had a good car that, uh, it was top three speed, probably third, fourth best car, and, um, yeah, I just got overly aggressive there and, and uh, got myself in the wall. Yeah, I believe we can. You know, get some consistent runs going. The last two weeks have been both my fault. So, um, you know, I, I've been saying I've had a bunch of bad luck to start the year, but then, you know, now the last two weeks it's been my own fault. So that's the most disappointing part. Listen, you're racing for position. We've all done it. You make a mistake, you own up to it, you move yep. on. I mean, really, yep. I mean, you know, Kyle Larson didn't say, and we, you know, he could make an argument. The spotter called me clear. You and I both know there's only one one driver. When the spotter calls you clear and you're not, you're the only one who goes to the hospital. So yeah, that's <laughs> it's right. your responsibility. Yeah. And and you know he took full ownership. And I that's what leaders do. That's what leaders do. And I, I I love hearing that from Kyle. So I can only take the position from the guy on top of the pit box. I've never been the guy behind the steering wheel. But it, it, while I like Kyle taking the ownership of this DJ, my point is, what can I do to help? That's the conversation I'm going to have with Kyle today. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, listen, I know you can drive, and I know we had some bad luck, and I appreciate you saying those were last mistakes, but I'm here to help. So is it something every 50 or 100 laps? Do I need to remind you of the goal? Do I need to coach you down? Do I, like, I don't know. Right? He's used to coming from shorter sprint-type races where, more importantly, there's no one in his headset. He's out there all on his own. Yeah. Now you're over to NASCAR. It's four and 500-mile races. 
you have people to help you. What can I do, right? As a race car driver, you were so successful for so many years. Did you feel that the spotter, the crew chief, or did you put it all on yourself to try to manage those 500 miles? Yeah, I, I think that a driver has to do that more. You, you want to use all the resources that you have, but you know, getting out, and, and I appreciate what Kyle Larson did right there, getting out and blaming the That spotter's a long way away, especially at a place like Pocono, right. you know, and, and hearing that. Yes, they can be very helpful, and we give them a lot of credit at a lot of places, but ultimately, it's your decision as to what you do sitting inside that race car. And I know they've gotten more difficult to see out of. You go by feel so much. And this is so close to being okay. But, you know, it four, five, six inches make the whole difference. If he stays down, would he be okay? That's something that he's going to have to replay in his mind. Okay, or was he just loose and having to chase it up there and didn't have much choice but to be going with that. But they're having they're getting better race cars, so they're going yeah. to get they're giving Kyle Larson better chances to do good things. He's just got to finish it off now. It's not a mistake Kyle should be making, I, I believe. On the other hand, on a race where you just heard everybody talk about you couldn't pass, you couldn't pass, mm -hmm. if you lost momentum at all, you were dead in the water, you know, he could have entered the tunnel turn and run in ninth, tenth, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. And, yeah. and when you're in that race and you've just won two stages and, you know, you're trying to get a second or a third and you're looking in the mirror and thinking they're going to just freight train me, that feels like the end of your world. That feels yeah. like the end of your day. you got to find a way to collect your thoughts and not get yourself in that situation. But... It's hard to do. I'd be selling. We've had the worst start ever, and we're still somehow still in the playoffs. I'd be selling. If we just get a little bit better, we should be in no problem. Yeah, well, he's aggressive, and we love that. Yeah. And that's what's going to win him a race here probably before too long. Well, Kyle Busch had two performances on Sunday in my eyes, one on the racetrack and then one in the media center afterwards. Imagine that. Imagine that. We come back, we'll check it out. I can't tell whether you're happy or not right now. Huh? Are you happy? Why? <laughs> you just won. You won the race. Yeah, so? <laughs> Did, does winning make you happy? Like, are you, are you leaving here? You're like, yes, yay, everything's everything's great. Yes, yay, okay. Yay, down a dream. The checkered flag is in the air, and it's a milestone win for Kyle Busch. Career win number 55. Running down a dream. I think I passed one car today. That was on the outside of turn three, and I got a good run through turn two and kind of shallowed entry to turn three a little bit. And uh, Boyer went to block, so I just shot out to his outside, got alongside of him. I mean, that was, that was it. Um, I don't know if anybody else passed anybody on the racetrack for the lead like that, but. Um, if so, then maybe this package is awesome, but that's all I know. Two parts. Uh, first, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate the package? Here? Stop asking me package questions. I'm done answering them. Next. <laughs> Listen, I get it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I'm, okay, I'm okay with him saying stop asking me pa package questions because mm -hmm. the only thing he does when he talks about it is gets, gets him, digs, digs a hole for himself. So, you know, it's not – going to change anything. It's not going to have an influence on what NASCAR and the team owners decide to do no. with the rules. So it's best just to move along and just focus on the race. And I don't care what the rules are. I don't care what the package is. I don't care how many laps the race is. I don't care if it's a rain-shortened race. Somebody will get the trophy. Yeah. And, and the focus should just be on being the one that gets the trophy.
Yeah, Every, they're, they're racing under the same rules. So figure it out. What can you do? How can you do it better on any particular day, whether it's strategy that does it, whether you utilize the talents that your driver has and, and know what you can do and put him in that situation. Uh, and, and that's, you know, the crew chiefs have a big hand at that. But then the drivers, they understand what they've got. This is how much horsepower you've got. This is how much downforce you've got. And, and you're going to have to figure out a way to make different pa- passes. And Kyle Busch did that. For the lead on the outside, which nobody else even attempted that I saw. Well, I think this is a team thing because there were some uh, quotes earlier in the weekend. Adam Stevens, they asked him what he thought about it. He's like, I'm done answering it. I'm not talking about the rules. The rules don't matter. I'm here at Pocono. I'm going to try to win Pocono. And I think that that is a bad sign for the rest of the organization or, oh, excuse me, the rest of the garage area because now you have the team that has won four races, a very talented race car driver with a crew chief who, by the way, his numbers with Kyle Busch, are, yeah. are, I mean, they're outstanding. When you look at Adam Stevens, not only – have they gone four for four together into the championship four? I know they haven't won the championship every year, but I, I, that fascinated me when, when they put that out there. How about a career-winning percentage at almost you know almost 20? Almost yeah. 20% of the wins. 17% of the wins, they or 17% of the races have been together, they have won. When those two stop giving you sound bites and they say, you know what, I'm done. I'm done being the poster child. Kyle could say there's been 13 other weeks I've given my opinion. To your point, Jeff, you've used all my quotes because I've read them everywhere. I'm going to focus <laughs> on racing. I liked his reaction. You know, some people didn't like it. Some people thought it was unfair. I had no problem with it at all. Yeah, hey, listen, I, Adam Stevens, I, I, you think about Adam Stevens, and what, this to me is one of the things that makes it difficult for Kyle Busch and Adam Stevens is their expectation level is not where most people are. If they leave there in third, they're not happy. Yeah. yeah. Right? And they they the conversation we're having about points, they're not a, they're not a point conversation, right? They are we want to win. Now they get themselves in position where points are all they need to race and that's what they'll do. Mm-hmm. But they they're the expectation level for themselves because of the immediate success we saw, you know, his first year he won a championship, yeah. right? And he's and he's been in that the, he's made it every year. Those are unbelievable expectations. And much like we've talked about with Jimmy Johnson over the years, like fifth isn't good enough. Yeah. And Kyle won't hide it. <laughs> yeah. Kyle won't hide his disappointment. Well, and Adam Stevens, there's some sort of confidence between the two. There's not a lot of pleases and things. It reminds me a little of Chad and Jimmy in their heyday, which yeah. is everybody be like, can you believe Chad said that to Jimmy? Well, Chad and Jimmy didn't have a problem with it. I hear the same there. When something will go wrong, and Kyle will kind of, I don't want to say spot him, but he'll get a little emotional. Adam will just be like, stop, bring it back. This is the deal. Here's the penalty. We deserve the penalty. Move on. Like, he really reigns in the situation, which is easier said than done. When Let's be clear. Kyle Busch is like the quarterback. He's going to drive the 18 car. I know they're winning and all. My point, though, is as a crew chief, <laughs> I work for Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. Let me be very clear. Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr., they were going to be the drivers. Right. So you had to kind of tiptoe around it. Adam Stevens, there's no tiptoeing. No, he doesn't. But he understands that when, you get, when it gets down to strategy in these races, what he has to do is put his driver in the top five. And he knows he's going to give everything and probably find a way to put that car in the lead before it's over. And so... Does he have to go do crazy things? No, most of the time he doesn't. He just has to figure towards the end, how do I take this, whatever we've got, don't have to worry about the package, know the speed of our race car, I know the driver that I have, and all I have to do is give him a chance, and he's going to give us the best result we could possibly get on that day. That race might have been the hardest one to win with the best race car. Yeah. Because there, there are some races, yeah. um, you know, where the tires fall off. Yeah, you just put four on That's it, right. go back yeah. up to the lead. Oh, you freak out. There was a lot of ways to let that strategy get away, to get caught on your heels. A lot of ways. 
they somehow took the best race car and had a good enough strategy. Was it the best or not? Good enough to go to victory lane. Yeah, so so uh, there's another competition going on that's probably more important, and that's our fantasy competition amongst ourselves. How am I doing? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Let's see. Let's see, Marty Snyder. How did Marty Snyder lean in? Dell Jr., he's climbing up through the ranks. Was... Rick Allen, I'm so tired of hearing about Rick Kelly. <laughs> this, is, this is just poking, although. Let's not give him too much credit. One no. good week isn't really the key. The well, let me tell you is... something. Let me tell you oh, something. Kelly, maybe. Oh, hey, oh. Whoa! Oh, I worked up in the fifth, though. I'm working my way up into the top okay. five. Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, when are y'all gonna run out of using the same drivers here, though? When is that gonna come? I got to a halt? I'm feeling pretty good. All I know is, well, the day that my name goes above Rick Allen's, we're gonna talk about it because <laughs> he talks about it every other time. <laughs> Nate Ryan's beating me. I mean, I'm beating Nate Ryan. Thank God. That's good. You're being Nate? Yeah. Nate yeah, Ryan is good. very smart, though. That's yeah, use the big words. Listen, yeah. this isn't a spelling bee. Although, by the way, did you see? There was like eight eight or ten winners in the spelling bee. 20 yeah. rounds. I saw that. Yeah. They yeah. said, I mean, I, I, I was out on the first word. Something so. my mom never had to worry about was declaring me a champion in the spelling bee. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad, the spell check doesn't even know what word I'm at. I need to retry. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, sorry, but we're coming back for more in just a little bit. <laughs> The Bruins are seeking their sixth straight road win and a 3-1 series lead against the Blues in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final. But this raucous crowd is fired up and ready to celebrate. We'll count you down to puck drop on a special two-hour NHL Live next. What makes hockey better? Bring the king, man. Look at the king. He went. He and Bubba Wallace went and watched the Bruins take a 2-1 lead Saturday night. I didn't know the king was a hockey fan. Well, let me tell you. I am a hockey fan, and I'm not ashamed to say I'm a Bruins fan. So uh, if that six straight road wings turned into seven straight road wins, yeah. I'm telling you, they may want to clean off the, clean off the uh, trophy case. Well, Dale Jr. Download, his buddy Michael Waldrop's going to join him. Remember these two, they teamed up at Dayton and Talladega several times to get a win. They were really good teammates. It'll be interesting to hear these guys talk. You never know what you're going to hear when Michael Walter starts talking. <laughs> yeah, but he true. and Dale Jr. together, it's going to be fun. They almost reinvented, like, the teamwork at the Speedways. Sure. And they were yeah. so attached to one another, it was crazy. Yeah. yeah, it was just amazing what they could do. I mean, they had fast cars. They made great moves and did the right things. They worked together to kind of settle things between themselves. So, But this is going to be fun. Where these two could go with a conversation, <laughs> I have no idea. I... I, 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 I I, I, there's really no telling. I, I'm a little concerned <laughs> to know where this conversation could go. Well, you talked about how well they work together, but Austin Dillon and Paul Menard, not, not so, so much. much yeah. not, mm. not Sunday. So when we come back, we'll take a look at what happened to those two guys. Hey, one to your bumper in the back of you here. Not sure why. It's killed. Get it up. Look at it. What, a, what the hell happened, Andy? Just flat, rough square in the back of it. Everything okay with you? Yeah, you just stopped in front of me. My, my bad. I got him. I wasn't sure what the 11 was doing, and then he just. Look at the video. Looks like the 48 checked up a little bit, and the 21 nailed it. Yeah, he may have to. I don't know. We done or what? Done. Butter. It's uh, disappointing. We had a pretty decent car, and the car's killed, and 21 hit us. Uh, there's every, you can see everybody's piled up in there. He drove in too deep, missed the corner, hit me in the back, took me out of the race. So, 
part of it. Well, you can hear all the disappointment from the entire Austin Dillon team. Heard Richard Childress on there. Well, here's why. Look at, look at where they are. They're 21st. They are 57 points back from the, from the leaderboard. And where are they going to get the win, right? Where yeah. are they going to get the win mm-hmm. and make this go away? They cannot afford where they are to be giving up points. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, and there's always, when you have an incident like this, somebody's going to be upset. I mean, when you get run in the back, you, you're not happy about it. Did Paul Menard drive off in there thinking, hey, I'm going to hit the three car because maybe he cut down in front? No, he didn't do that. Things happen, and when you're behind, when you're right in there, you can't see through these cars as good as you used to be able to and know that somebody in front of the three is checking up, whether it was Jimmy Johnson or whoever it may have been that created this chain reaction. I look at it as a racing incident where somebody's gonna not going to be happy about what happened and Austin Dillon's unfortunately that person. All this does is remind me why these drivers and teams have to take advantage of the good weeks. They have to take advantage of mm-hmm. stage points when they become available because one thing about these rules, why they maybe haven't swapped up the top one through seven, one through eight as much as everybody in the sport perhaps would have liked, I think it has dramatically changed the drivers we see running ninth through 20th. You know, when you go back to Sunday and you look at some of these guys, I mean, look at this. Suarez, eighth. Okay, maybe. William Byron inside the top ten. Daniel Helmrich, Chris Buescher, Matt DiBenedetto, Michael McDowell, 20th. Those are names of drivers that I think would fair to say you don't consistently expect inside the top 15 and the top 20. What that means is they're taking points away from someone like Austin Dillon who's going to try to race his way in with points into the playoffs if he can't get a win. It, this is going to be a summer-long dogfight. I am not convinced Clint Boyer's okay. I'm not convinced Alex Bowman, Eric Amaral. There's not a day because when you look at 51 points, that's fine. But remember, if you have an issue lap one, lap five, lap ten, you get a single point for that entire one point where most guys are averaging 25, 30. You can burn 50 points quicker than you ever could. This time, I can't wait. A few weeks, we go back on the air to cover it in Chicagoland. I can't wait because it is going to be heated up to try to make the playoffs in the summer. When you and I raced, and you were 15th or 16th in points at this time of the year, you were done. Yeah. You were oh, not going to yeah, win a yeah, championship. Yeah. And now they're racing for that 16th or maybe 12th, right? Because yeah. you're going to get more winners. And they all know that they go, they right now no one's year is over. Yeah. But when you and I were doing it, if you were 16th in points, you were done. You weren't yeah. going to overcome that at this time of the mm-hmm. year. So the point battle, and I think the big misconception about the playoffs is that winning only winning matters. Winning trumps everything, mm-hmm. but points matter now as much, maybe more than they ever have, because it fe- affects more people. More people can still say, right now today, Austin Dillon's 21st in points. He can still say, we can still win the championship. Yeah. Well, we got to turn it around, but there's no way 10 years ago that Austin Dillon would have a chance of winning the championship, and that's why points matter more today than I think they ever have. Yeah, and when you get in this situation that they put themselves with with this three car and this team is now, okay, our, our game plan probably has to change a little bit because we have to look at these stages and take opportunities and, and get on a different strategy. It might not end up the best finish, but if we can make the points end up as to where if we would have run in the top five, get the same number of points, then you can make things happen from that point. So you have points options. Per race. Points per race. Yep. Points per race. I'm going to start calling the Kyle Larson. Win a couple stages and everything will be okay. <laughs> you mentioned Chicago. 
Think about Daytona. Oh yeah. boy, <laughs> with that new hey, with the new Aero package yes. that we saw at Talladega, mm-hmm. and you're going to Daytona with a list of these guys that mm-hmm. are way back in points. Yeah, hold on. Yeah, and right before that, they have to go to do a little road racing at yes. Sonoma. So yes. that's going on a new track that most of these guys have never seen before. I'm so excited about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is it that their stress makes us smile? I know. I tell you, it's great. It's great. Somebody's going back in that tire barrier. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like you and I both did. <laughs> I know we all saw something that we liked this weekend. So when we come back, we're going to do shout-outs. That's the cool stuff from the weekend. Well, after us on NBCSN, it's the pregame coverage of the Stanley Cup Final between your Boston Bruins, Steve, and the Blues. But they're in St. Louis tonight. No home court advantage for you. No ice advantage for you tonight. NHL Live, get you ready for the game. It'll be on NBC at 8 o'clock. Number 55, Kyle Bush has picked up the win here today. All across the board, our crew chief made awesome calls. Our drivers just kept his head in it all day and uh, made some great moves out on the racetrack. And he's uh, turning out to be really good here like everywhere else. So, uh, you know, a, a difficult car to pit, but it was fast on the waste racetrack, so it was worth it. Well... Time for shout-outs. What did you see you like this weekend? Well, I'm going to take it to IndyCar. A week ago was the Indy 500, the biggest spectacle in all racing. Well, now they come back. No rest for the weary. Back-to-back races in Detroit at Belle Isle. Joseph Newgarden and Scott Dixon not only win, but then jump in the fountain. Big for Scott Dixon. He had a DNF on Saturday, first one in two years, if you can believe it. Bounce back, got the win on Sunday. Love a good teen celebration in a fountain. Good thing that's a flat dive because it looks a little shallow. <laughs> it looks very shallow. <laughs> so mine's going to go to the Xfinity race on Saturday. Cole Custer, Tyler Reddick had it out. A great finish. See right here, Tyler Reddick in the last corner gave up the bottom. Cole Custer took advantage of it. A really good race. Two guys laying it all, th- all out there. Really fun to watch. Yeah, what a great racing that was. And i tell you what, it's, that's going to be a fun watch for the championship oh, yeah. that. You know, these guys, Christopher Bell and, and Reddick and, and a Cole Custer, going to be a lot of fun. So my shout-out's going to go back to a uh, team that I was there first with, uh, Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, with that win yesterday, now they're within one uh, of all the national series of Joe Gibbs Racing. You can see right here, 324, uh, Rouse Fenway at 325. Unbelievable to think that that was 1992 before Joe Gibbs Racing actually ran a race of any kind. Uh, didn't win a race. We won our first one in 93 and then won one in 94. They've done a lot since I left there because they've got 166 total cup wins now. So just amazing what Joe Gibbs has put together. So did you ever think that Joe Gibbs racing will uh, be where they are today? No. I mean, Joe Gibbs came in and told Jimmy Makar and I that, hey, this is how much money I have. And if we run through that in a couple of years, then this will be shut down. This is what I'm spending and and otherwise. But obviously, it was very, very successful. And he's such a good business person and people person that he's got all the right people there. Just incredible what what they put together uh, with with all the drivers and the people uh, because that's what really makes that place go. Well, you're going to be pretty talented if you're in the NFL Hall of Fame and you get ready to go in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Two pro sports Hall of Fames for one individual. That's a pretty impressive feat. You mentioned Jimmy Makar. Jimmy Makar is still there. So still there. Awesome Been there. He was the there. first employee hired. And, and you know, when they started with 18 employees in that first year of 1992, I think they have a little over 500 now. So things are going pretty well for Coach. It's amazing how the sports change. Yes. And the, the ability for him to adapt. 
to a mm -hmm. sport that he really didn't know anything about Nothing. to be able to adapt and the way we've seen a Richard Childress do all different types of things and still be able to win races. Listen, I'd like to keep talking racing, but I got to get home. I got hockey to watch. <laughs> 8 o'clock NBC Bruins taking the big 3-1 lead tonight. And NHL Live is right now from the Stanley Cup Finals. Let's go watch it. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.